everybody. Welcome to No Reserve, which is part of the Haggerty Podcast Network. We're here to help you make sense of the enthusiast car market, whether you're buying, selling, or simply watching. Now, this was a great week. We've, we talked about the deal of deals in an original Mazda Miata for under 15 grand, a Lincoln that's fit for Uncle Buck, and a Stutz that might have Elvis Presley history, and really one of my favorites, a Lancia Delta Integrale. I'm Larry Webster, editor of Haggerty Media. And I'm Dave Kinney. I'm the publisher of Haggerty Price Guide. Yeah, between the two of us, we have decades of experience buying, selling, and driving the cars we love. Plus, we're backed by the data of the Haggerty Valuation Tools. Hello, Dave. Hey, Larry, let's get into it. All right, we're recording this on Thursday, October 27th, and it's really, the past week's been really interesting. First, Dave, before we get into our opening big segment, I want to talk about the Haggerty market rating because we just reported on the insider.haggerty.com site that the Haggerty market rating is down one point. Um, cars are still selling. The, the big news is perhaps the feeding frenzy in the car market from last spring is over. Um, what it said in the article, Dave, that I want to talk to you about, the four macroeconomic indicators they use to come up with the market rating have gone down. That means retail sales, gold is at its lowest point since February 2020, and the S&P 500 monthly average is back down to 2021 levels. Dave, I know you've seen this before. Tell me what are your thoughts. Well, that's the reason why I bought gold in February 2020, because I wanted to make sure I was buying at the market peak. <laughs> Uh, yeah, right now, Dave. Tell me. <laughs> yeah, really. That's about it. Hey, um, you know, look, the economy's facing a lot of headwinds, and you know, we've not seen a lot of this in the car market as of yet. Although I will say, there's a lot of cars. I know probably you've seen Larry that have topped out kind of in uh, July and August were the were the top numbers for the cars, and we're also seeing, uh, you know, great uh, great example is looking at some of the online sales. We're seeing more no sales than we've seen before. So it's a it's a you know headwinds market. It's still a really good market, and you know that could all change tomorrow. It could go up, could go down. Uh, but we got a lot of things facing our uh, you know facing our economy right now. I just saw that uh, mortgage rates hit seven percent, which yeah, yeah. which historically is nothing. But uh, you know for people who for the last ten years have been you know getting three point three four percent interest loans and stuff like that. It's a killer. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're expecting the market uh, rating to probably keep going down for a little bit more. Or I'm expecting, let's put it that way. I don't know what everybody else is. Uh, I'm part of that market rating. I've been uh, downgrading the numbers since, believe it or not, August. So there you go. Yeah, they're challenging times. Um, I think, you know, it's it's back to what every financial house will tell you. It's back to fundamentals, right? If you bought your car because you loved it and you don't need to sell it, that's great. I mean, it's uh, you're not going to get the crazy prices that we've seen. That said, as we keep pointing out week after week, some of these cars are still fetching crazy dollars. I mean, that two hundred thousand dollar nine twelve. You know, there are two Toyota pickups that got fifty grand in the same week. Um, you know, when I see this, it, it always feels like opportunity to me because then perhaps the prices uh, come to a level where more and more people can get into this. You know, we have that thing we do, Dave and. You're part of this, that bull market where we where we make a prediction, a very scary, risky prediction about yep. cars that we think will go up in value. And the whole point is not an investment. It's like, hey, you can buy these things, enjoy them and get out. Maybe you make a little, maybe you lose a little, but the fun you got was cheap. And I still think that holds even if the market rating goes down. 
Yeah, and we've got, uh, you know, coming up, we've got a couple of interesting cars we're going to be looking at because we've got another 912 that certainly didn't right, do $200,000. Right. So yep. up, 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 up. let's I'm jump giving, right into giving, our opening bid segment. And you want to go I'm right giving away the kids. I'm giving away the goods. Yeah, all right. All right. Opening bid, Dave, you want to look at this 912 that sold on uh, Bring a Trailer last week. It was a 66 912, and it sold for 73500 Why should we care? Well, I think it, it had a lot going for it. Okay, it's aga blue, which is a great color. It's a deep blue. It had tan leather. It also has a sunroof, and it's '66 Porsche. That's really rare. I don't care whether you're talking 911 or 911. Oh, uh, who wants that? Just chance to leak. It's going to leak. Yeah, I know. It's a chance to leak, and not only that, it's an electronic one, so oh, there's a chance God. for mechanic mechanical problems as well as leak. But uh, you know, hey. This car sold for seventy three five. That's uh, right exactly at our number two. It was, you know, uh, we have a number one at ninety five. We have a number two at seventy three. So I mean, it's right on the button, right where it should have been. It's probably a two minus, so it's probably or maybe a three plus. So it's probably a little bit more expensive than than uh, you know our price guide said. But I kind of like the fact that after one gets away for two hundred, another one brings the you know brings the uh, uh, the party down a little bit back to the level that okay. might have been expected. So you're saying there's two very similar cars, a week apart, one sold for crazy money, one sold for right about what you'd expect money, and who the hell knows why, right? No, 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 you're wrong again, Larry. There's an <laughs> exceptional car that sold for 200000 There's a really nice car oh. that sold for seventy three. So, uh, And interestingly, this only had 14 bids on it, which is, uh, you oh. know, kind of, you know, you see these uh, bring a trailer sales, especially where there's 7,300 bids, you know, whatever, not really. But, you know, the first guy has to bid $912 because it's a 912. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyhow. That was you. We know it was you, Dave. Yeah, no, I bid the $2,912. So, <laughs> no, but, you know, it's uh, um, I, I think it's it's no sign of the market falling. It's just that it's a reality dose that sure. we all need to get every once in a while. Yeah, okay. Speaking of reality dose, that means opportunity. It's another one I'm bringing a trailer. It was a 1991 Mazda Miata. This thing only had 21,000 miles on it. It sold for less than it cost new, which was 12,500. These were about 14,000 new. And I can't, these Miatas are punching bags and we don't realize how good we have it with these Miatas and they're not cherished in a way they should be. I am biased. I've owned seven of these things. I've raced them. They're super durable. I have one right now. Every time I get in it, it's a it's a kind of a junker car, but the steering feels connected. It has this fluidity. The gearbox is right, mechanical, the sound, the joy. An amazing, fun, reliable car for 12.5. I don't know, Dave. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is a good investment. I'd rather have this than gold. Yeah, <laughs> you see, I just told you what I did with gold. I've got I've got a couple of coins that I'm looking at that are worth exactly what I paid for them a long time ago. Anyhow, at twelve thousand five hundred dollars, this is a smoking deal. This is a smoking deal. This is a twenty one thousand mile red tan or red black. I don't remember now. Uh, uh, MX five Miata five speed. It's got it all. Uh, you know, this is the type of thing that you can do whatever you want with. You can have it as a Sunday driver. You can keep it as a show car. Uh, like you said, you can rally these things. You can track them. You can do whatever you want. If the epithet had to be read uh, for the Mazda Miata, which thankfully we don't have to do it yet, it would have been this was the classic 60s British sports car. 
done right. Yeah, perfect. In other words, I mean, it was just you know they they're unbreakable. Uh, you know, compared to compared to British sports cars, you can use them as reliable dailies. I mean, you know, they're just awesome things. We have a number one at twenty nine eight. We have a number two at fifteen nine. We have a number three at eighty four hundred. This thing sold for a three plus price, and it's absolutely a two car. Yeah, I mean, so uh, one, somebody somebody got a deal. One of the things you can tell, uh, a couple of tells that I've learned over the years from guys like you, Dave, is you check out the the pedals, you see what yep. the wear on the rubber is. Sometimes that'll tell you if the mileage is. But on these Miatas, one of the key things is the blackness of the seat fabric because yep. if it's oh, yeah, outside, yeah. it'll fade, and yep. uh, you can tell they look gray because, of course, the ones on mine are gray. And I don't think you can get the fabric anymore. But like we said, these Miatas, if they suddenly went away today, we would be crying like babies tomorrow. So go out well, and get I, a Miata for $12,000. You know, it, it, it's kind of like everybody who's a car guy should also own a Miata. Yes. It's like, you know, you, you, you need a, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, having a, uh, you know, a, a bed liner in your truck. You need a, you need a uh, Miata in your garage just for the same reason. By the way, I've seen your uh, Miata seats and I thought they were green. <laughs> uh, with the mold from leaving them outside, but you must have cleaned them. So. Yeah. So, okay. So Miata, we said it, you know, uh, the next car, I, I think the right owner would not be able to fit in, um, in a Miata. And that's Mr. Uncle Buck. If you've seen that movie with John Candy, his car <laughs> was a, I don't think it was this exact car, but it was this, this, it's a 1977 Lincoln Continental. And this is yep. one you picked up. It's this weird peach color. It's sold on Barrett Jackson. Or at Barrett Jackson for twenty six thousand five hundred. How do I live in a world, Dave, where a Miata is only worth twelve and this Lincoln is worth twenty six? Is this pound for pound? Uh, is this what we're at? Is this what? Yeah, it, that's exactly right. It's pound for pound. By the way, this is not peach. This is champagne. Oh, sorry. It's a Lincoln. <laughs> Come on. Look at the orange. So anyhow, color. yeah, it's kind of grape champagne. You know, you take your champagne, you pour grape juice in it. And that's the color you get out of this thing. This was Mickey Gillies' 77 Lincoln Continental Mark V. Now, I know that you owned a cowboy hat at one time in your life, and you had cowboy boots. The reason why was because of a movie called Urban Cowboy. Okay? John Travolta, right? John Travolta. That's exact. Oh, I'm sorry. Travolta. I keep forgetting. Anyhow, um, John Travolta was in the movie. It was kind of a cool story. It was actually an, a story in Esquire magazine that I read before it was a movie. So it was a very cool story. About you know basically these guys who became cowboys at night you know uh, they were you know they were they might have been stockbrokers. Wait, during these the are day. dancing cowboys. They're not cowboys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, these are line dancers. Anyhow, Mickey Gilly owned uh, uh, Mickey Gillies, which was uh, Gillies was the place where the movie was filmed and kind of where all that stuff happened. And if you see a line dance, you know uh, the, from the nineteen seventies with uh, Texas line dance. It's probably taken place at Gilly. Well, wait, are you suggesting, Dave? Nobody knows who Mickey Gilly is. That had no, who cares about this? Okay, part? I Tell want somebody I'm to wrong. put something. Okay, it goes in the comment section. Larry's wrong, Dave's right. Oh. I know who Mickey Gilly is, okay? A country star. And you, you, well, you, think, I, you know, it's so beyond you. Oh, Any, okay. is that why this car with the dirty engine bay sold for this much because of that star power? Is that what you're suggesting? Sold, sold for 26.4. Um, that is right above our number two. Yeah, you're right. It is not a number two condition. Uh, we, we have a number one at 35 too. Um, these things are land yachts. Obviously they don't do anything, but uh, kind of look awesome, uh, to, you know, to some people, uh, not necessarily to me, by the way, uh, Mark fives are, you know, not uh, a performance car. 
this is an interesting piece of history. The name of the color is Rose, Di- Rose Diamond Fire. Isn't that great? I mean, you, you can't get that on Mazda. They don't make Rose Diamond Fire. Anyhow. Uh, I think it's a know, strong this- price. Well sold. Okay, well, we're having some fun. Uh, you know, obviously, this is the Bear Jackson. They sell a lot of cars like this. Yeah. And they did, they did a good job. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to be hurt at 26.4. It's a great story. We just spent two minutes talking about it. So there you go. All right. We, Nobody understands. It's, it's you know had it. its moment of fame, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Next, uh, you, you, there's another one from the Barrett Jackson auction that you wanted to talk about uh, 88928 S4. This, you know, if you want to talk about, Movies and Hollywood and celebrity, of course, nobody really cared about the 928. It wasn't for that movie. What was the name of that movie? It's it's uh, Risky Business. Right. And this one's especially cool because the last version of the 928, the S4, had the four valve per cylinder heads. And this is a super rare one because it has a manual transmission. And um, I want to say forty seven grand is what this sold for. This was a deal. I think so too. Didn't they make a GT after they made an S4 though? A GTS maybe, yeah. Yeah, GTS, yeah, yeah, whatever. Anyhow, uh, yeah, we had these at number one at 93, a number two at 69, and number three at 39. So this thing was between a, a two and a three price. It was a five speed, which is really important in these cars. Again, when the history books are written, these cars were never given the love when they were new that they should have been given. They're absolutely great cars. They do have problems with, uh, I call it the second or third owner syndrome, basically. The third owner of the car bought it for almost nothing and didn't have money to to repair it after it was out of warranty. And they were not cheap to repair when they're out of warranty. Now the good news is a whole bunch of them have given their lives and become parts cars. So there's a lot of parts. I know, I know. There may be parts, but I can tell you a quick story. I I was one of those owners who couldn't afford one and bought it for three grand. Yeah. It was a pretty rough one. I love the shape. I mean, they're not my kind of car because yeah. they're very cruisery types. They're really uh, open highway cars to go on long trips. It's not really what I do, but I just love them. I think they're cool. The uh, the fuse box is about two feet long, and it's in the <laughs> footwell. And I took off the cover, and all the relays are there and everything. And then I looked in the back because they say the the, the the poles get rusty on the relays, and so stuff doesn't work for in odd ways. And you jiggle things around, and it gets grounded, and it works. Anyway, all the wires in the back of that thing were all the same color. And I was like, oh, no, I'm never going to figure this thing out. I don't have enough time. So I quietly uh, passed that on to the next owner as quickly as the, I uh, uh, the, uh, You know, those cars were, were needlessly complicated, like a lot of uh, German oh, cool. cars are. Uh, a friend of mine bought one new, uh, uh, was on a like kind of a construction zone in D.C., ran over a sewer top, <laughs> took his air conditioning compressor oh. out. So, yeah, they were they were not fun in terms of... Uh, in terms of repair ever, but, but a very cool car. And I mean, look, you're not going to be driving that thing as a daily. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great, uh, uh, you're right. It's a GT car. It's a, uh, it's not a boulevardier. It's a lot more than that, but, uh, well, um, yeah, they're but not getting the, they're starting to get all the love. So one other cool. way to look at it was, you know, Porsche put a ton of resources in, into the 928 because it expected that car to replace the 911. Yep. Which, of course, we didn't do. And, and you would know, as probably I do, I, from the, the guy's name who was running Porsche, who went in and said, are you kidding me? We're bringing the 911 back, was an American. Yeah, so, exactly. We have an American exactly. to thank that the 911 is still here. 
Yeah, well, you know, hey, we won't go the Germany and the American story because it, it gets complicated if we go further back. But yeah, you're absolutely right. He was an American exec, came in and uh, said, this is what we're doing and saved the company, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So we were talking earlier about the Haggerty market rating going down. Here's an here's a sale that suggests the the really high times are still with us. It's a ninety one GMC Cyclone. It sold on Bring a Trailer for ninety thousand bucks. These were essentially, if memory serves, Dave, they had the Buick Grand National Turbo V six in a, an all wheel drive or four wheel drive small S ten pickup, right? Yep, four point three liter V six four wheel drive. They were all black with black. They made a Marlboro edition, which was kind of funny because, you know, nowadays you couldn't make a Marlboro edition of anything. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is not one of them. This is the black with black. 6,000 miles, 90 grand against our number one of 50,600. Now, keep in mind that when this truck came out, everybody was saying something pretty special about it. It was faster than the 308 Ferrari. Oh, so yeah. if you yeah, wanted a car faster, a lot faster than a Ferrari, you'd buy a GMC. Um, they got a cool-ass look, okay? I mean, they always have had this kind of, you know, not not unfriendly look, but kind of all-business look, and I think that uh, that really helped out oh, a lot. They're, they're shockingly small. You forget how small mini pickups were in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, this car is smaller than today's Honda Accord. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Ford Ranger size, you know, that sort of thing. And so, uh, but uh, yeah, 90 grand, uh, good for them. Uh, 6,000 mile example. I think uh, uh, they sold one recently, another one for like 20 grand that had all the miles on it. So, um, you know, this is another example of a very special car getting a very special price. Yeah, it's really funny because they were, uh, they were sort of cultural touchstones, right? It was the yeah. Buick Grand National was this oddball turbo insanity in an era when horsepower is just coming back. So of course, car people always remember it. And this thing was even weirder. This is General Motors doing something that we always wish they do. And here they do it. The bummer for the for me with these is it's still an S10. And that means it's an S10 with the cheapest plastic interior you can buy inside it. So it's a, it's an S10 in drag. There's no doubt right, about it. it so, is. Uh, yeah. But it just speaks to, you know, the special cars, the rare cars with a great story are still fetching, uh, I think, really big money. Well, let's switch gears and let's go to the kicking tires and talk about some auctions that are coming. You have highlighted this thing that, uh, you know, Dave, I think I get to know you and then you do something here so monumentally stupid. You've, you've highlighted this thing called the Stutz Blackhawk. And uh, I, I'll just let you dig your grave on this. Tell me monumentally stupid i know I, I, the writer in me should come up with something more clever than that just a sledgehammer yeah. but that's all i got right now okay well it's uh it's early in the morning what can we say hey look a 71 stutz blackhawk is different than every other year now this is the year with the split windshield so you can see them immediately it's got uh you know like the you know the cars of yore the cars of olden days they were built by a different coach builder than built all the rest of the stutz blackhawk this car supposedly has an Elvis Presley connection. It was said to have been given to uh, uh, his physician, uh, Elias Granham, uh, which is not Dr. Nick. And if you've seen the movie, you know who Dr. Nick was, not the, uh, you know, the, he was Dr. Feelgood, I guess. But hey, uh, I'm not over anyhow, 60. I don't remember any of this. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Well, you could have watched the movie. I watched it last night on the airplane out here to Seattle where I am today. So, uh, you know. Pretty good movie, by the wait, way. Wait, wait, you back Anyhow. up. Wait, back up for a second. Yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. We wouldn't even be talking about this thing if it was not for the Stutz Bearcat. 
which was a car made in the teens that was really like the first super sports car. I've never driven one, but people explain it to me as like, look, it was the McLaren F1 yep. of, the, of its day, yep. which was what, 1915, 1914? Is that fair? Yeah, fair enough. Stutz had a great name. I mean, okay. they were, they, you know, they were a, a great car. This has nothing to do with the earlier Stutz. They re, you know, they brought the name back. Um, this was a Virgil Exner design uh, for this thing. Yeah. Virgil Excess designed this. So uh, it was kind of cool. Um, uh, you know, this car also uh, uh, shows 31,000 miles. It's a V8. Obviously, this thing was built on what? An Oldsmobile chassis, I think. Uh, or Pontiac chassis. Sorry about that. Uh, it's got a Nardi wheel, all that sort of stuff. But let's wait and see what happens. This is coming up in Mecham. Um, we have a number one. Are you sitting down? Are you standing up? Are you sitting down? We have a number one for the right. 71 only at $242,000, my friend. <laughs> a number two, 189 a number three, 156 a number four, 112 If it's not a 71 you can kind of cut the uh, first number off of it, and that's more accurate. Uh, I guess a really, really nice later studs is probably about a $70,000 car or something like that. I know that, you know, that these things last forever. So somebody in, you know, 2087 is going to be listening to this podcast, you know, while they're cruising through space or something. And they're going to say that guy, Kenny, was right. Because you know what? These things are the, uh, are they're basically the, the Talbot Lagos. They're the, uh, they're the Lages. <laughs> no, Dave, 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 you're going too far. Knock it off. Okay. Knock it everybody off. calls, everybody calls them. Pimpmobile, but guess what? That's what the Delages and the Talbot Lagos and the Delahays were, my friend. So there we go. Now, obviously, no race history, none of that stuff. This is just pure luxury. But I think these cars are so much fun. And if you're going to have a Stutz, have a 71. So, oh my gosh, go. it's, it's what I love about the car world, right? Here I do. I think I know everything, right? I've been writing about cars, talking about cars basically my whole life. And here's this Stutz Blackhawk that is valued and wanted enough that they're worth. Almost a quarter of a million dollars. I this think. one isn't okay. I will say okay, that if, this, if, the, if, the, if the this is not a really nice one, but if the um, if the Elvis connection comes true, then you know Graceland would be interested in buying this, maybe. So uh, you know who knows? I mean, you know, Elvis bought a lot of cars, know, by yeah, the way, yeah. and you know, I mean, he didn't own a lot of cars, but he bought a lot of cars because he gave them away. So maybe that was so. You, but this is potentially a six figure car. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I uh, I have a dealer friend who I know would pay not in the six figures, but close to it for something. Like oh my so. gosh. So interesting. I mean, it is, uh, everybody's got their jam. I mean, this is that kind of Baroque <laughs> style, right? You yeah. expect flat Baroque, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for uh, teaching us all, Dave. I uh, remain trying to be open-minded on this one, even if it's not my cup of tea. So let's see, we'll have to circle yeah. back. The one that's you're welcome, Grasshopper. You're welcome. <laughs> the one that's definitely on my uh, radar, more my speed, is uh, this is for sale on a site called Marked, and it's a 1983 Lancia Delta Integrale Evo One. Uh, anybody who loves the Group B rally cars of the late '80s, and Dave, who loves cars doesn't love Group B cars. This was the production version of the Lancia race car. It's got flared fenders. It comes from Italy. It's got a turbocharger, a stick shift. I what else do you? Oh, it's four wheel drive. It's right now sitting at twenty nine grand. I, I just 
it's white, yeah. so it's it probably hides maybe body imperfections. I mean, uh, uh, I'm just feeling melancholic because I can't bid on it, but I love these things. Yeah, who doesn't? I mean, uh, you know, we have a high on these things at 171, 122 for our number two. Uh, number three is 72, two. Uh, and our number four is 37. So it's closing, uh, closing in on our number four. And it's got, what, six days to go in the auction at uh, Mark. Um, you know, a lot of these cars are now sneaking into our country. They weren't allowed in when they were new because they weren't uh, federally, you know, homologated or, you know, uh, we didn't have the safety stuff done to them. So uh, we're seeing a lot of them coming into Canada, a lot of them coming in now. Um, you know, I think this car is going to definitely do six figures, don't you? I do. I mean, and well above it. I, you know, I think in the car community, there's just high recognition for the significance of these. They're really fun to drive. I, I believe, you know, they have turbo kick. There's enough newness to them. I think late 80s Italian build quality is probably a little bit problematic, but it'll overcome it. And, you know, as you've said so many times, the generation that the Gen Xers are now starting to get in their prime earning years. And these are the cars they're going to want. So I oh, yeah. think this is this this could be a bull market car. I, I usually resist putting something like this on it because there's not that many in the country, but I'm seeing more and more of these. Our friend Tim McMahon just sold one. Um, right. It seems like folks are they have they're brave about just importing cars from overseas. It seems to be more common than it ever was. Maybe the shipping. No, the shipping's more expensive than it's ever been right now, but uh it is easy to uh, easier to bring them in once they've, they've passed that 25-year uh, rule. So that's where they are there now. And, of course, uh, Americans will will spend and, and pay up for good cars. Uh, North Americans, so Canadians have been doing it for a long time. They have a 15-year rule where we have uh, you know a few extra years on it. So Yeah. yeah I, I didn't I'm do this, which I should probably explain. The reason they call them Group B cars was it was a special set of regulations in the mid-'80s for – the World Rally Championship. And what they've always tried to do is use production-based cars so the manufacturers can have a good excuse to spend money to go racing. So they had to make a certain number of these and the classification was Group B. And so the manufacturers wanted to win. The rally meant that they started producing more and more higher performing street cars. So then they could turn them into race cars. And it just created these wacko things. The E30 M3, you know, was rallied. But then you had the MG Metro R something, the Audi Quattro Sport. There was a later version of the Lancia that was just a two-door one. I mean, all kinds of fascinating fast cars came out of that era. And I think they're all going to be hugely collectible for as long as I'm alive. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, there's a great cars. I mean, you know, and, uh, you know, once again, you can win the car show, just show up in this thing, just driving down the street. You're going to meet new friends because, uh, you know, at every stoplight, they're going to either want to challenge you, which would be really, really stupid, or they're going to want to know more about your car. So, I think, yeah, uh, speaking of making making friends, I think you're going to make a lot of friends with our last sort of kicking tires car we're going to watch. And that's a it's a modified 1983 BMW 533i with a manual. It's got six days left on a bring a trailer auction. It's already at twelve thousand bucks. Um, it looks like a really well done car, Dave. I, I don't know. This might. Be yeah, actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not say the Franken car thing. It's got a replacement swapped uh, uh, three three point four liter, um, you know, inline six K twenty seven turbocharger, one hundred and seventy thousand miles. Which, of course, 
we all know in BMW world is, uh, you know, again, a very reasonable number because these cars got driven and driven and driven at 12 grand. It's an absolute steal. It's not going to go for 12 because it's got six days to go. I don't know what this thing's going to go for. You got any feeling? 25. I mean, it's just sort of like the small block equipped Carrera. Um, this is a BMW sedan, so it's not super sporting, but again, I think there's nostalgia for these cars because, you know, the eighties, well, again, back to the Gen X, this is when the BMW became the, really the aspirational luxury car for people instead of the Cadillacs and the Mercedes, cause they were sportier. They weren't so stodgy. And, uh, the five series that they eventually made into an M version just has that crisp German look. And this car Maybe 25 is too cheap. I mean, if you really look at the photos, uh, it, this is a proverbial you could eat out of it. And they've done all kinds of interesting details, like they put a black crackle finish on not just the um, valve cover, which is pretty common, but also the thermostat. And it, it suggests that this is a real attention detail. May I say anal retentive <laughs> builder or owner or both. And those are the cars you want to buy for sure. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I didn't get the normal, you know, this was put together in, in five or six guys garage yeah. vibe when I was looking at this thing. So that's a, you know, that's a good call on your part. And I think you're right. Uh, well, I think you're low on price. I think oh, right, yeah. maybe I think maybe mid 30s could be done on this. I, you know, I don't know for sure. But with the with the kind of quality of the photos and the, you know the discussion so far has been pretty good about the car, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, these the interesting thing about the '80s cars is, uh, you know, they were just getting the fuel the fuel injection systems working, where it was a feedback system where you actually had oxygen sensors where the computer could react to. They were also had the fuel. I don't think the octane was super high, so a lot of these cars had pretty low compression ratios which means that you can add boost in a pretty safe manner. Now, we don't know what the boost pressure of this is. I haven't read it. Maybe, you know, if you saw 25 PSI of boost, it would put the alarm bells off. But it's something reasonable <laughs> at like 8 to 10. This could be a very uh, powerful car in, in the right way. It's not just a huge pop, but just a linear kind of additive pull throughout the rev range. And then, you know, you'd want to know if the turbo, which takes some of the exhaust energy, did it? Kill the sound of the straight six hat, which I always like, but all the other stuff's really good. That and the shifting, the gearbox, the uh, seats, the ergonomics, and the funny thing about these cars—they didn't have all these tons of safety features we have today. They're not that heavy, so uh, this could be a real sleeper, fun sports sedan. So I hear, Dave, you're going to be bidding on it, is what it sounded like. So I will be. No, I don't. I don't think so. It. You know, I I always think about the first owners in these cars, and the first owner was by a dentist or a doctor. Or attorney somewhere you know maybe in Atlanta. don't stereotype don't do that yeah Dave. no 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 he or she bought this car because it was a nice luxurious sedan right and so uh, you know she's been driving this thing for you know maybe eighty thousand miles trades it in you know let's say and then all of a sudden you know the second owner maybe you know uses it for the same thing then the third owner says ha ha here's my platform here's what i'm gonna do which is kind of cool because this car's had you know two three lives now which is um uh, you know, hey, talk about ultimately recycling things. I mean, it's had uh, it's had use use for one hundred and seventy thousand miles. You need to write the country song, "The Sad Hard Life <laughs> of an '83 BMW." I'll throw I'll throw in a dog and a train, and let's see, a mama, and what else do we need to uh, make it into a country song? Absolutely. All right, I look forward. Next episode, we'll hear it. Let's uh, move on to our next segment. To we're going to answer some questions. 
Robbie from Vero Beach, Florida says, uh, I've been to about a dozen collector car auctions and sometimes the auctioneer announces the current bid while other auctioneers announce the next bid, the one that they want. What, what gives? What's going on? It's a good question. I don't All know. right. Well, here's your basic difference. That's the British style versus the American style. The British style auction is going to, so like a Bonhams, for example, they're going to say, I'm looking for 30,500. We're looking for 30,500. Whereas the American caller would say, I have 30,000. I have 30,000. So um, one of them, the American style, gives you the current bid. Well, the British style gives you the next bid or what you're going to be bidding. So it's interesting because if you look in the catalog sometimes or if you look on their website, you know, for a hundred dollars, they will they'll move the if if something's selling for a hundred bucks, they'll move it ten bucks at a time. A thousand bucks, they move it a hundred bucks at a time. Ten thousand, they move it at a thousand at a time. And then when it gets That's into not the, always the know, case though, sometimes they make it should be. It's it's what they try to do, but people will say, you know, they'll they'll give them a sign with a chop in it, you know, so it's half. So in no, other words, I don't know what that I, means. the chop means okay. you can do half of the increment. Exactly. Oh. So somebody's at thirty thousand, and the bid, the next bid is thirty-one. For example, they'll give them a chop sign, and that's thirty thousand five hundred. It doesn't always get interpreted that way. Wow. Uh, and everybody has their own way at auctions, but it's the British style where they're asking for the next bid, and the American style is what they they're giving you the the last bid. So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a difference. It's real subtle. I, I, you know, congratulations on picking up on that. Um, this guy has been to a couple of auctions. I, it it so. makes me scared to go to a live auction. Like, I'd be the little guppy the sharks are going to eat up. Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would. So, <laughs> no, it's a, you know, it's, look, I mean, it's exciting. That's part of the auction. I mean, that's okay. the, you know, they get you going. I mean, you know, the adrenaline starts running and, you know, and I love it when they say, you're the winner. No, you're the person who just paid the most. You know, if you, if you want to think of yourself as a winner, that's cool. But here, it's a competition, you know, Dave. It is. There's there's, there's 30,000 people, you know, between the people watching online and the 3,000 people in the room, maybe. And are you the ultimate dummy or are you the smartest guy out of 30,000? Who knows? Uh, duh, I'm always the smartest. We know this. I mean, oh, okay. I All right. Good. But it's Good. interesting, though, because the next question, Tom from Mesa, Arizona, uh, he, he's basically same as me. He's an auction virgin. He says, what are the rules and tips that he should know? Dave, or Dave, you don't want to tell them, do you? You want to just take advantage of us, don't you? Yeah, no, 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 no. I want everybody to have the, the same chance. Hey, listen, if you're going to your first auction, for goodness sakes, don't bid. Oh. And go leave leave the checkbook behind. Uh, you know, there's, you know, auctions, you know, deals at auctions are like trains. There's another one coming down the track next time. Uh, you know, there's always going to be a good buy at an auction. There's always going to be lousy buys at auction. Sit, watch, see what's happening, see who the bidders are, see who the auction callers are, you know, the auctioneers. But also look at all the people in the audience and the people who are working, uh, at, you know, with the, uh, you know, they're, they're called bidders assistants is the nice, the nice way of putting it. The people who walk around and look for people in the audience who are bidding. It's a circus, and it's meant to be a circus. It's meant to be high activity. It's meant to be loud in most of the American auctions, very, very loud. And it's meant to, like, fill up all your senses. So, you know, the, the very best thing to do is watch and watch and watch. Go to two auctions. Go to three auctions before you bid on something. Because 
if you go to your first auction, uh, you know, the other thing you can do is go to a, you know, a farm sale or go to a, you know, a house, those household are, those are really sale fun. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're fun to watch. They don't cost anything. You know, you buy the hot dog from the hot dog vendor for a buck. I mean, it's a lot of fun. You get to meet people, but you also get to see, you know, an auction in action. And I love auctions. I love everything about them, but uh, you know, that's, it's kind of like saying you love going to rock shows or you love going to whatever. It just depends. It's uh, uh, it's excitement and I think but whatever. Super fun. I've I've, yeah, I've, you... I've been sitting in them and uh, it's fascinating. Sometimes I've been to the high end ones and someone's bought a car that's tens of millions of dollars that doesn't come up for sale but once a generation. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, all this money's traded hands and the room is pretty quiet. Like nobody's jumped yeah. up. Yes, I wanted this car my whole life. Finally. You know, and I've always thought how interesting how subdued it is. But some auction houses are very much like a circus barter. So Scottsdale is coming up. uh, The auctions in Scottsdale in January is coming up. And I always tell people, just go to every auction there because it has kind of every flavor you could want. And it is kind of its own thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, uh, uh, Barrett Jackson, we were talking about a couple of cars that they had sold earlier. Oh, yeah. It's a great, great show. I mean, you know, you, you can... You can buy floor mats. You can buy, you know, a, a you know ladder for your house. They have all the vendors there, all that sort of stuff. It is like a state fair in a lot yeah. of ways, and it's a lot of fun. They have a, a huge auditorium. Sit in one of the back rows. Uh, you know, I'll give you another piece of advice. If you see your friend, don't wave at him. Okay, I mean, I, you know, I, I love that people see their buddy and they wave at them. And there's an auction going on. Okay, but. The auctioneer should know that if you're sitting in row, you know, ZZZ yeah. nosebleed section, that unless you're, you know, looking at him and waving your arms at him and or her, um, then, you know, you don't want to, uh, you, you're, you're not bidding. But every once in a while, things get confusing and people uh, get confused. However, go enjoy. Do not bid at your first auction. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason there's a line to get into the Barrett-Jackson auction in Arizona, because to your point. It is fun. It's just open commerce. It's a, a making a market in, in front. There's no questions. So uh, hopefully those tips helped you. Don't wave. Keep your hands at your side, I think is what you said mostly, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good, Dave. Exactly. Very smart. You're brilliant. Once again, Dave, thank you very much. Um, well, it's certainly been an interesting week. Dave, any final comments from you? Uh, yeah, I would say that, uh, you know, make a plan for uh, the next six months. And if you, if you like auctions, if you like them online or you like them, uh, uh, you like them in person, uh, make a plan to go to an auction. Even if you don't go to a car sale, it's really great entertainment. And if you uh, keep your hands in your pocket, your checkbook uh, at home, it doesn't cost much at all to show up and and have fun. Yeah. Well, for me, I was, I would say, please keep going to insider.haggerty.com where we're covering the market on a daily basis. We're trying to keep you informed. As we always say, these aren't investments. We're just trying to help you make good decisions. We sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Help us, you know, subscribe, share it with your friends, and leave your questions and feedback, especially on the YouTube version. Until next week, everybody, enjoy cars. Dave, thank you so much for your time. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you, Larry. Take care.